April the 15th is two weeks from today. And do you know what April 15th, the time of year we are supposedly have done with your taxes? And you look at it and you say, I made that much. And then you say, where did it go? We will start here on April the 29th on Sunday afternoons at 4 o'clock, Financial Peace University. A lot of you perhaps have heard Dave Ramsey on the radio or seen Dave or some of his people, Rachel and others on uh, television. We will begin a class on Sunday afternoons uh, on the 29th of April in the Fellowship Hall. There's a sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center. The cost will be about $100 for you to get your DVDs and your workbooks. Jeannie and I did this years ago, and it was wonderful. And so we would encourage you, if you've heard about it, wonder about it, to come ask me. I'm going to teach the class. I really put a DVD in and hit a button, and Dave Ramsey teaches the class, but I'll facilitate the class. And we'll have a wonderful time, and I wanted you to know about that. We have some other ministry updates we wanted you to hear about this morning. One, Cherise, I think, is going to do VBS. Mitch is going to talk about Wednesday nights. Kathy's going to talk about Monday nights. And John Orchard is going to talk about something completely new. So if they would head this way, I want to hear from them. Mitch, you're the closest one, so you come on while he's coming, the others are coming too. Well, good morning, church, and it's my honor to talk with you about Wednesday night. In January this year, we started a monthly Wednesday night supper. For those of us who grew up in the church, we, if you did, you may remember Wednesday night meals, either in this church or another church, and many churches continue to do so. Uh, but we started in January uh, with a, a couple of purposes. One, we wanted to increase the attendance on Wednesday night because pastor's Bible study and our prayer time are so meaningful to many of us, it was a shame we didn't have more people there. Two, uh, we wanted to increase the time we have to fellowship. Prayer meeting and Bible study is only an hour, and this gives us a little more time. And three, this building is full of uh, young people in the Orbit Arts Academy, and moms and dads are in the building. And sometimes on Wednesday evening, somebody might like a meal. So we were testing Wednesday night supper. Uh, January we had 17, and uh, the income of that was $52. In February we had 28, and the income was $71. And this month we had 27, and the income was $72. Now I don't understand all the math that God has uh, in store for us, but it seems sometimes God will take less and give more, uh, which really was a, a wonderful thing. The next Wednesday night supper is. Um, uh, two weeks from this coming Wednesday, I think it's April the 18th. It's $3, and we're still testing this to see if we can extend it, expand it, and we'd love to have you join us on Wednesday night for a wonderful meal, April 18th. Thank you. Good morning. Happy Easter. I hope you can hear me because my voice is I want to talk about on Monday nights, we have a group that meets called Circle Sisters, and uh, our goal is we uh, pray for the church, and we pray for ways we can do outreach and impact the community. Um, it's not really, we don't do an official Bible study, we're there for prayer and support each other and what uh, ways the church can uh, impact the community. So we invited all the ladies to come. I'd like to um, encourage you to please do so. Um, it's a great thing. It's, a, it's just a wonderful thing. We've become so close and, and we are accomplishing things, one of which is... PBS this year. So Sharice 
come and talk to you about that, and I hope to see you on Monday nights at 7 in Fellowship Hall. started uh, developing and planning a vacation Bible school this summer. We're going to hold it in July, July 16th through 19th, Monday through Friday, from uh, 9 a.m. till noon. And we need some volunteers, some people that are going to put a commitment to us to help us with that. Well, we've got the program in place, and we're meeting every Monday and going through committees and things like that. So if you have any interest at all, please let us know. And we also have a sign-up sheet in the Welcome Center. Uh, but we do need some volunteers to help with that. Uh, any time you can give or anything, any interest that you have, it would be wonderful. But uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. We're getting ready to do a mailing uh, to the area of the community here around the church and uh, hope to have some children here for this summer. Thank you. Morning. Well, David brought me up here to, uh, to tell you guys about a new program that we're going to be starting here at the church. But before we get into that, let me just kind of give you a little bit of how it got there. I was talking with David, and I was mentioning about the talent that we have in this church. And it, it really is beyond the music. We have artists and authors. We have engineers, educators. We have ministers that are very talented. And we also have the folks in the back that do the, the sound and the light board and incredible talent. If you guys haven't looked, there's a lot of buttons and switches out there. So anyway, I was talking to David and he just kept smiling as I was telling him that. And then he looks at me and he goes, well, what's your talent? And I'll be completely honest, the first thing that popped in my head was everything I'm not. You know, if you ever sat next to me in the pew, you can tell I can't say it. So, um, I'm in awe of people that can play a kazoo. For you folks that know me, you know, the folks in the back room don't have to worry about technology. I, although I carry an iPhone, whatever this is, what number, I usually get the hand-me-downs in my family. I'm more of a flip phone kind of guy. So, so after I thought for a little bit, I looked at David and I said, God gave me these. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, well, God gave me these too. And I said, yeah, fair hands. I said, but, but God gave me the talent and the knowledge to use these to fix things. So, you know, I would just ask everyone, if God gave you two hands, raise them up. Raise them up. All right. You all just volunteered for this program. <laughs> David, it's, it's not hard to get a Baptist congregation to do 100% participation. Um, so with, with that being said, we're going to start a Helping Hands ministry. And what it is, is it's for us to be able to come in and help those that maybe can't do some of the stuff around their house. Um, and, and really some of the parameters around it is Anything that could be done in an hour or two using 
hand tools or maybe light power tools, drills, whatever, to be able to help folks out. Let me give you a couple examples. It would probably be, you know, if you don't feel comfortable on a ladder changing a light bulb, give me a call. I want to know. If you, if you don't have, if you have a door that squeaks or sticks or a doorknob that doesn't turn right, I want to know. If you have a table leg or a chair leg that's wobbly, let me know. I can fix it. But I also need help. I need help with the folks. All of you raised your hands. I need the folks that know how to turn a screwdriver who are handy to come help me out and willing to help others out for an hour or two on an occasional basis. I also need those that maybe aren't quite so handy that need or want to learn a little bit more about it. I'd love to teach you, and I'd love for you to be part of the team. So the second part of this is, is that if we can't fix something, then we'd love to be able to start some type of referral service. You know, if you have a good contractor that you know, please push it back to the church, write it on a connect card, let us understand you know, who those contractors are that we can refer to. And jobs like roofing, you know, AC, tree work, you know, if we have good contractors that can help us out, we'd love to be able to refer them. So with that being said, I guess I'm gonna ask you the same question that David asked me. What's your job? Fill it out on a connect card, turn it in, let this church and this community know what your talent is. We may not have a use for it today, but there's going to be a need in the future, and we'd love to be able to call. As he does that, I know what just a few people know and you don't. And I'll begin prayer request for that. John's mother is just knocking on the door of heaven right now. And he expects a call probably this morning. And he just did that. And so I would encourage you to please pray for Camellia Orchard. And uh, she did well with that. Vince Gray also needs your prayers. HV and Joyce's son is having some tests because they don't really know what's going on. Baby Emerson Walker, you've been praying for Emerson since before she was born, had a very successful surgery, and JG says she's doing well, she's home now, and this might be the, this might have done everything they needed to do, so that is fabulous. Thank you for your prayers for Emerson. Uh, please remember Peggy Thompson. Peggy's going to have an eye surgery this week, and they've given her more hope than she's had before. Uh, Hal Bennett going through his chemo treatments and not strong enough to be here today but in spirit with us and praying for us so please remember how nathan cagle a young man going through cancer treatments is having a tough time right now so please remember nathan uh, also paul and yvonne holtzclaw uh, remember yvonne uh, especially today and uh, we uh, we're thankful for the faith that sustains these people through some tough times let's pray for that. lord thank you for john's testimony and that of Mitch and Kathy and Cherise. Thank you for being with us and for the days ahead we praise you. But for our friends, we're praying today for Hal and 
for Paul, for Avon, for Peggy and Emerson and Vince, Camille. For every name I've mentioned, we all have dozens, if not more, hundreds that we can mention. Thank you for being our God and for reminding us today, Resurrection Sunday, that you can do all things. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Well, let's get take your hymn book and turn to hymn number 533 as we stand and sing together.
please watch over us. Bless this church. Bless our ties. And let's watch it grow. In your name we pray. Amen.
more things. We didn't want to leave out Tuesday night Bible study, 7.15 in the fellowship hall, and you're more than welcome to that study. And also, in the bulletin, uh, thank you for giving the Easter lilies in honor or memory of a loved one. Make sure you take those home uh, after church. It looks like Mitch had an early start on taking them home this morning. We appreciate that very much. <laughs> There are, there are days when everything changes. You know the kind of days, and I'm going to tell you about a few of them in my life. May the 14th, 1983. Do I have that right? <laughs> Amber, almost 35 years ago, we were standing in a church in Starkville, Mississippi, and the preacher said some words and we both said, I do. And I don't know if either one of us had a clue what I do meant. My life changed after May for the better. <laughs> uh, on May the 14th, 1983. And so a couple of years later, July the 14th, 1985, we're still in Starkville, Mississippi, Octavia County Hospital, and the hand is a nine pound thirteen. Well, we went through the normal process, but when it was over, they handed us a nine pound. <laughs> and they said, "Here." And uh, do you remember if, if you went through that? Remember the what do we do with this thing feeling? <laughs> My life changed on July 14th, 1985. And then comes May the 21st, 1988. And I'm so proud of myself that I'm remembering these dates without looking at my notes. We welcomed child number two. And this one was a girl. And girls aren't, we don't have a lot of girls in the Shippers family. Uh, Ellen was the first girl born in our family since my sister Trayvon in 1953. She's not here today, so I can tell you the day she was born, 1953. So from 53 to 88, so 35 years there's not been a girl. And it, it, was, it was different. Uh, and my life changed that day in a wonderful, wonderful way. And there are more, but I wanted to give you those three. And we all together have days that, that we remember that are in common. For generations, it was December the 7th, 1941. Even if you weren't born, you know that day. FDR said it was a day that will live in infamy. Pearl Harbor. Some of you... Recall that you were alive. 9-11-2001 is one that most of us remember. And the world changed as a result of that. Our trips to the airport are different now. We can't go to the gate. Remember going to the gate and welcoming people home? It's wonderful. Our experiences have changed. But today, 
Easter Sunday is the day that changes everything. Everything for the believer. Before we talk about that, let's pray. Lord, it is our prayer that this day has changed us. Not because we're here, but because of what we do when we leave. Not because we say something, but because we do something. Not because we sing songs, but because we have a tune in our heart. Let this day change us every day. The way we act, the way we think, the way we speak, the way we interact. Let this be the day that forever changes us. Easter Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So earlier I mentioned May the 4th, 1983, wedding day. After the ceremony, I was married, legally married a husband. And I learned pretty quickly, because of that, changes were to be made. And so we could use, if we use one word, I was married, and the big word, therefore. I was married, therefore, there's a reaction. I needed to act in a certain way. Is that fair to say? You still awake? <laughs> I was married, therefore I needed to pay closer attention to things that maybe I had not paid attention to before. Maybe tidy up a little more than I had as a bachelor. Maybe, oh, stop dating. There were some other things. <laughs> therefore, I'm married. Therefore, I've got to do these things. I remember our first big fight. And it was a doozy. And the statute of limitations have run out, so I can tell you. We were in Big Creek, Mississippi, I think. Is that where we were? Big Creek? We were at a wedding. And we had not, it's not been long since we come down the aisle at another church, but now we went to a wedding as husband and wife. We were in this church, and a friend of mine came in. Jeannie and I are standing here and I see my friend come in and so I ran to see my friend. Remember I said Jeannie and I were standing here? <laughs> Jeannie stayed there. <laughs> she didn't know I was running to see my friend Ann. <laughs> uh, for some reason, Jeannie did not appreciate that. And I got defensive. I know not uh, other men don't, but I got defensive at this. And in retrospect, I was wrong. <laughs> I was very wrong. What I forgot is therefore, I was married, therefore, I'm going to act a certain way. That was a learning moment in my life. And the other two dates I mentioned from 85 and 88, I needed to remember the therefore. I'm a father. Therefore, I have to put aside some things. Therefore, I'm not the center of the world. 
I have to act accordingly. I'll never forget uh, getting a call from the school in Mississippi Elementary, Ackerman Elementary School. It was the principal, a friend of mine. I had forgotten to pick my son up. <laughs> it's confession day here. We had communicated and I had not listened as I should. And, and forgotten it was my turn to pick him up. And he was sitting on the curb with the principal when I got there. <laughs> and so I'm a father, therefore I should. That was the only day I forgot it. <laughs> When we forget, therefore, life gets bad. When I forget I'm married, therefore, there are going to be problems. When I forget I am a father, therefore, problems, if I forget, therefore, problems will arrive. To today, Christ is risen. Therefore, I have to change. As a believer, this should change every aspect of my life and yours as well. Today, I want you to look at a fascinating byproduct of that first Easter. Matthew is the only one that tells us. Chapter 27 beginning in verse 52 and verse 53. If you recall in verse 51, the curtain in the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom. God moving any barriers from us so we have direct access to God. That's what happens in verse 51. But in verses 52 and 53, the tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. I've never preached on that before. I've gone by that before and I, I guess I've not paid that much attention. But this Easter, it, hit me, it is staggering. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, some tombs were opened. Some dead believers came back to life and went to Jerusalem. Notice that this, is, this happens after the resurrection of Christ. See how verse 53 begins? After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to me. If you ever needed a good plot to a movie, this would be it. You can have a scene where a wife comes home from shopping and walks in. There he is at the table. And she just buried him weeks ago. Can you imagine her reaction? And can you imagine his, what she'd done with the insurance money? We didn't need curses like that. I can't believe you did that. It's amazing stories that can happen as a result of this. Somebody that's been gone for a while and they come home and their husband's remarried? What's she doing here? I mean, there's some interesting things that are happening here. People that are once dead have come back and gone to Jerusalem. Passages like this are kind of easy to speculate about, especially because it's so brief and we don't know much. But this passage in Matthew wasn't written for me to speculate about 
or to open some Pandora's box. These verses were written to tell us something about the resurrection. One of the things that we should notice, it's not all the tombs are empty. Not everyone has come back. And that had to be a difficult truth for some of that day to deal with. The fact that somebody remained in the tombs would cause a few comfort zones to be ruffled. Not everybody got up. It leads to a big question by the people in Jerusalem that saw the dead come back to life. Why did some were raised and others were not? You know the answer, don't you? It's spelled out in verse 52. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Only saints came back to life. It's a Greek word here. Hagios, it means sacred or blameless or consecrated, most holy. Today, we would use the word believer. What's happening here after the resurrection of Christ and these people wandering into Jerusalem is God's taking a victory lap. God is showing off in Matthew 27. God is risen. Therefore, look what happens. The dead have come back to life. Even death is not final. I love it when God shows up. I love it when I can see dead saints walking. Did you catch that? I love it when I can see dead saints walking. You want to know what I've seen? Before I tell you what I've seen, let me read you the scripture from Ephesians 2. I think it's talking about you here, really. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace and kindness towards us as shown in all He has done for us who are united with Christ. If you're a believer, this is talking about you. And verse 7 is saying that God can show off through you. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and sin. But because of Egypt, you are forever changed. I love seeing change. And over the years, I've seen some amazing things happen. My friend Philip was born in Malaysia, but he was born on the ocean, and he didn't have a country, and he couldn't be a citizen, and it was just, he was in no man's land as a person, and he grew up angry. And he grew up fighting on the street in martial arts. And he would beat people up for living and take from them. 
or he would be in stage fights where he would win money like you see in the movies. I met Philip in college. Philip wanted to better himself. And so he wanted to learn English to get out of Malaysia and to come to the United States and he saw an English class and he went to learn English. He didn't know he went to learn English from a missionary that used the Bible to teach English. Philip is now dead to his old self. When I met him, he was the most gentle person you could ever meet. He's resurrected, if you will. A new man. My friend Ronnie, and these are his words, was proud to be on the front car in the roller coaster to hell. That's how he lived. That's how he put it. He was a rough biker that had all sorts of history. And in Indiana, I gave him the key to the church I pastored so he could come in to pray. Because now Ronnie is dead his old self. He's resurrected, if you will. A new man. My friend Belle is in heaven now. When she first walked into the church that I pastored in a small town, it was quite a shock. In small town America where everybody knows one another, when they saw Belle come to church, they were doing this to their neighbor. And after church, they said, did you see who was here? Her reputation was, well, not the best. She became a believer late in life. And the old was gone. And the new had come. And she was and is a miracle. And she's in heaven now. And I'll see her again. This one, I just wanted to show you. A video of Johnny Lee Clare. <coughs> Wade Watts was one of my heroes. Today, he's in heaven. As a black minister, he was continually assaulted by the Ku Klux Klan. One day, they set fire to his church. Brother Watts chose to forgive. He chose to love them. Every time they would call with threatening calls, he would share the love of God with them. It was amazing. One day, a miracle happened. That set fire to his church, accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And Brother Watts invited him to come and preach in his church. Brother Watts said, Half my people didn't come. They thought it was a trick and they were going to be bombed. That day, Johnny Lee Clare preached in Brother Watts' church. Brother Watts had adopted a young girl that had experienced the hatred against her father and their family. She didn't want anything to do with God. But that day, the clansmen that got saved preached in their church. She gave her life to Christ. Miracles happen when we choose to forgive. Here's Johnny Lee Clare to tell his side of the story. Reverend Watts and I, we became best of friends, and uh, he made me godfather to Tia. 
And uh, he and I started getting invitations, and we started traveling around the country holding revivals. And then when we would find out where there was a Klan rally, we would go hold a rally of our own at the same time the Ku Klux Klan was holding a rally. We would hold it like, you know, a couple of blocks away and advertise, come see the former uh, Imperial Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan with his best friend, the leader of the NAACP, and learn how love overcame it. Uh, Reverend Watts and I, we traveled around the country and spoke at different uh, places, and, and I, I couldn't have asked for a better friend. In 1998, I got a call from his son, and he said, uh, Johnny, he said, Daddy's asking for you. He's in the hospital. And uh, I jumped in the car, and I drove down there. And I said, wait. I said, you know, I lost my daddy when I was 11. I said, I never had a dad, but I said, I don't want a grown man or anything, but I said, you've been like a dad to me. I said, I've known you for years, but I'm grateful for the seven years that you've been my best friend. I said, I really appreciate it. And I said, I love you. He said, well, I love you just like he was my own son. The most important thing he ever said to me, he had said it before, and I could hear him say it again, the best way to overcome an enemy is to make a friend out of him. And he did. And that's what his life was all about. It was because of forgiveness. If Wade Watts can forgive me of all those things that I did to him, then there's no excuse for me not forgiving anyone. There's no excuse for anybody out there not to forgive.